This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. According to CCSD, it's officially the last week of summer. Make of that what you will. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with co-host David Figler and contributor April Corbin Gurness. And we're talking about the ethics fine levied on Governor Lombardo, the problem with police dogs, and what we're doing with our last week of summer before school officially begins. One more note, we've got some important CityCast Las Vegas news to share. So stay tuned or fast forward to the end to hear it. Don't do that. Um, it's... <laughs> It's Friday, July 28th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. All righty. Hello, David and April. How are y'all today? I'm feeling great. Great, Vogue. Good to see you guys. Okay, so um, apparently the governor has been slapped with some fines. It's been decreased drastically, but uh, the Ethics Commission did fine Governor Lombardo for $20,000. So, David, break it down. Yeah, this is something we've been following here on the podcast, that there was an allegation that um, Joe Lombardo, our governor, uh, while he was running, he was still the sitting sheriff. Uh, and there seems to be an ethics rule that says that when you're campaigning, you cannot use your badge in uniform as a police officer uh, to bolster your credibility or sway the the populace in such a fashion. Even though, as we've discussed, everybody knows that Lo- <laughs> that Joe Lombardo was the sheriff, right? Uh, and that's why he was running for governor. But uh, that said, it, it seemed to be a formal violation of this ethics rule. And we were sitting and waiting for the Nevada Commission on Ethics to deliberate in a hearing. Uh, Information was presented by the attorney for the Nevada Commission on Ethics. And Joe Lombardo, who was not physically present in the room, had his lawyers there arguing on his behalf that this wasn't an intentional or willful violation of the rules. Well, they decided. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And... uh, It's kind of interesting how it it sort of proceeded because there are a number of police officers who have run for uh, elected office who have indeed worn their badge and showed their gun, I guess, in their uniform uh, while they're campaigning. Some who seem to get in trouble, some who don't, but no one who has been accused in quite the manner that Joe Lombardo was. I mean, they filed a complaint. 68 counts. Oh, 68. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just to me, egregious stacking Mm -hmm. by the prosecuting entity, even though this was more of a civil thing than a criminal thing, but um, or more of an administrative thing, I would imagine, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in between those two. That said, they were also seeking an unprecedented $1.67 million fine for these various violations. And these violations basically were, you know, every time he appeared somewhere with the badge or the uniform on, that was another incident. So that's what they were kind of adding it up. At the end of the hearing, they voted 
four to two to censure him, but they significantly reduce that fine uh, from that you know huge seven figure number down to twenty grand. Chump change, chump change <laughs> for uh, a guy like Lombardo who has uh, some very deep pocketed supporters. So, oh. what do y'all think about that? I, it's interesting that the the fine got reduced to that amount, and I don't know. I mean, does this twenty k sound fair to you, April? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk during the hearing about what the appropriate level of fine is and what the sort of precedent was for fines. You know, there was a lot of talk about a $15,000 fine that had been levied uh, a while back for some other lawmaker who did sort of more egregious things than um, uh, Lombardo did. You know, I think there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it as, wow, $1.67 million is unprecedented in terms of the fine levels that mm-hmm. the Nevada Commission on Ethics levies, or you could look at it as $20,000 is like nothing compared to the amount of fundraising that Lombardo has done. And I did some math when this happened like, <laughs> and found that Lombardo, it was like the $20,000 is like 1% of what Joe Lombardo fundraised between Election Day and Inauguration Day. So like after he already- After the election. After the election. <laughs> and this is just money that a bunch of new donors who hadn't supported him had like given him. Like it's that's like one, one, like 1% of that. So try to, it's like less than, it's like a tiny fraction of less than 1% of what Budget Suites Bigelow um, donated to Lombardo during this campaign. Like, we're talking, I keep saying- Basically, change in the couch in Bigelow headquarters. Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So I think we have to ask ourselves, like, I think it's worth asking, should the, the punishment sort of rise to the level of what they're doing in a campaign that was one of the best, most watched gubernatorial campaigns in the country last year. Like, this is huge amounts of money. And, uh, you know, and I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to sit here and argue about what willful is or what uh, undue advantage is, because those are like terms that matter in this hearing or whatever. But I think from the layman's perspective, from the average Nevadan's perspective, if it's if you're not supposed to wear your uniform and badge, like he did that a lot. And you can look up the examples of his ads. Right. And like, it's not hard to find. It's not hard to find. And like like David said, everybody knows he's sheriff and you're allowed to say you're sheriff and you can talk about all your wonderful accomplishments as sheriff. But I think there should be a line of like, we shouldn't use the uniform in that. Ideally, pol- like law enforcement should not be political, and I think hmm. we should we should draw a line somewhere. I think, uh, but that's just sort of that's my opinion. Vogue, do you think that twenty thousand dollars dissuades the next person or even Lombardo no. upon re-election from doing it again? No, I think they're going to do whatever they want, and I think that's the point. I think it's too late in the game for it to to matter as much. And even though I'm sure maybe they feel like it's a win, the the amount that they reduced it to also takes away the power of of being right. And so the fine is not enough. You know, the fine, the fine doesn't hit, doesn't solve the problem. And I think actually it opens up to a, the bigger conversation of like, why do we think that wearing the police uniform in the campaign ads when, if you can talk about it, if you can put it on your list as like reasons why you should be elected, then why is it that the uniform tips it over and it's like, oh, but you can't wear the outfit, even though you talked about it. That's the bigger question to me is like, do you think that it makes sense that wearing the police uniform and campaign ads is so is problematic? And like, why? 
I mean, I do. I think that there is a line of like, I think the optics matter, I guess. I think that, and and I sh- maybe shouldn't say this as a primarily print journalist, but like, you know, visuals register with people in a different way than voices do and than words. And I think mm. that I do see it as different. I don't know that I could, you know, uh, explain it, but it just feels different to me, I guess. But mm. But I think that really, ultimately... Maybe this, if this ruling has any big takeaway, it's that the Nevada state legislature or somebody should come up with some standards to make it unambiguous to where that line is. Like maybe we should decide where it is because there is some ambiguity on what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And we should clarify that and make the rules easier to understand and easier to punish so that there is no wiggle room and saying like, well, I actually thought that I could do that, but maybe I couldn't. And like, let's get rid of that and make it clear that like, you can't wear the uniform. Yeah. And and that raises a really good point, uh, especially as you talk about, you know, this, this somewhat arguably ambiguous standard of willfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this particular hearing, there was actually a couple of really interesting twists. One was when the person in the role of, I'm just going to say prosecutor or the person who is advocating for the punishment and the fine for Mm -hmm. the Nevada Commission on Ethics, was like, well, we have evidence. This wasn't just incidental, like, oh, they just captured him in his day-to-day wearing his uniform. This was Mm -hmm. like a photo shoot (laughs) that he sat down, that consciously he was like, this is what I'm going to wear to my photo shoot today. You know, this is like, I'm going to pick out a nice tie and a suit that makes me feel strong, or I'm going to have a nice short sleeve shirt to show I'm a working man. I'm going to put on my uniform with the badge, right? So that sort of conscious decision probably took away some of the ambiguity of willfulness that we're Mm -hmm. talking about here. So that was kind of an interesting twist. The far more interesting twist to me in this whole like Nevada way concept (laughs) which is one of uh, Lombardo's mottos, we're going to do things in Nevada way, (laughs) is that um, just days prior to the Ethics Commission meeting, he appointed two new members to that commission, one who was a cop colleague of his uh, who worked together at Metro, and the other is uh, the grandson of the former sheriff of Clark County. John Moran. It's low-key scary, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, and I'm not saying that it wasn't because people who were appointed to the Ethics Commission have the highest ethics and are beyond reproach. I'm saying that those are the only two votes against giving him any censure whatsoever were the two brand new appointees. This was their first meeting vote. Mm-hmm that they showed up to. And they and got in there they, and they got it done, okay? They got it done. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm very curious what a public records request would look like of any text messages. Because, you know, when people oh, get appointed to messages, ethics, when people get appointed to any state mm-hmm. commission, um, anyone could apply. You could apply, April could apply, I could apply, and we get put into a queue. Like, we're interested in doing this for our community. Um, I'm guessing that people who had been sitting in the queue were not the calls that Lombardo made to find the appointees. And perhaps just coincidentally, he picked two people who saw this whole thing differently and decided not to censure the man who just appointed them. Mm -hmm. That's possible too. I still want to see some public records. I want to know the process of putting those two people. Why those two people? Because he could. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, you know, juice, juice. That's because he could. But I want to come back to what April was saying was, you know, wanting the police to not be political. And I think, um, 
that's a nice desire. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> but but it's a no. You know, like yeah. they literally, there's literally, you know, different versions of the American flag with a thin blue line through it. Um, yes. You know, there are major conversations about how the police were even started. So mm-hmm. I think to 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 operate in a way that that acts like, oh, well, you know, there's not some power. I feel like I'm coming back around to like agreeing with your point and disagreeing with your point. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like the the uniform means something and it does wield a certain amount of power. It does um stir up different emotions in different people depending on who you are, where you're from and your your relationship to law enforcement. So I think it's definitely political, but I also think if it's a job you hold and it's part of what you're touting as your qualifications, then I think you have the right to wear it. Like until until they take it until they take it off you, they pry it off my dead cold body. I'm wearing it. <laughs> I think that's how some people are about their military garb. And if you're a, if you are a PhD and you wear your your attire for when you're giving people their hoods, like I think it's part of the person's identity. And and in that way, I think you can't separate it because it's part of also the way that they think. But you also don't want to make it seem like an official agency of the government is endorsing a particular candidate. And sometimes, and I think this is the the concept behind the, the rule itself, is that we don't want anyone to misconstrue that this is some sort of official government sanctioned candidate because he is, you know, allowed to wear the badge when he's running. I get that. Look, I at the end of the day, no matter how cynical I am about this appointment process or how the Ethics Commission approached this or the number of the fine or any of that other stuff... Uh, I, I I think this was a lot of nothing, um, and, <laughs> but yeah, I know. I, I I just I feel like the rule is the rule. He yes. violated the rule. Censure the guy. If you want a process that's better, make a process that's better. Like April said. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And let's put our name in for the ethics commissions, guys. Let's yes. <laughs> let's get <laughs> in there, you, David. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be at the top of the list. Right. <laughs> no doubt. In the text messages. So. <laughs> Don't read my text, please. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Speaking of uh, the police, oh, Lord, um, let's talk about other ways in which the police operate. So a canine police dog um, was stabbed by a suspect and it's currently recovering. I think its name is Dika. Was that the doggy's name? Dico. Dico. So D- tell us about this incident, Yeah, uh, April. So this happened uh, at the beginning of this week. Uh, law enforcement responded to a call at a park of two people getting stabbed, and they tracked the suspect down to a parking garage on Maryland Parkway near Cambridge Park. And uh, the suspect attempted, apparently, to set his vehicle on fire. Uh, and so in response to capture the guy, they uh, deployed Deco, which is a canine uh, officer, I guess they're called. Um, and uh, the suspect stabbed the dog multiple times, it says. And then I guess the dog is doing fine. He went to a vet clinic and is recovering. And then law enforcement, according to the press release that they set out, um, apprehended the suspect using, uh, quote, uh, other non-lethal um, methods. 
And then that's all we know. So that guy also went to the hospital for injuries, but is now in Clark County Detention Center. So Whew. so what are you seeing in the news coverage of this incident? And, and what do you think is kind of missing from the conversation, David? I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I love dogs. I'm one of those people, when you see a dog injured or put into uh, a position where they're potentially harmed, it hits me in the gut immediately. I think a lot of people are like that uh, with any animal. And because animals are, in our minds, innocents, you know, they're lovely creatures, they deserve our respect uh, and our care. And making dogs into police dogs, I mean, literally anthropomorphizing them in a way, calling them officers of the law, Mm, um, elevating them to the point where when they get injured in the line of duty, they get medals and all this other stuff. You know, even giving them these like really powerful names, kind of make them into heroes. That is a process. And I think it is a very deliberate process to engender uh, support for a program that I find somewhat appalling that you are weaponizing innocent animals and then kind of utilizing when they do get hurt, which is, I think, in a lot of cases, inevitable, to get more support for the not only the police, but to vilify the person who had the audacity to have, in many cases, a mental illness and a weapon in their hand to defend themselves when a dog comes charging at them to bite them, right? I mean, this is the process. They deploy a dog. The dog's like specific goal is to chomp on that person. And that person who then responds by defending themselves is now the villain because we love dogs and the police use these dogs in this way. Look, I, mean, I could I go on and already inter- the villain, David, because the the dog was called because they were in the process of committing a crime. Oh, I get it, I get it. Okay. But what I'm saying is like, the blame not- and the the heartstrings that get pulled when a dog gets injured. We're talking about it. It makes the news. Mm. I don't think that that is 100 percent on the person who did the heinous act against the dog. I think the police need to shoulder some blame for even you know, engaging in this weaponization of animals process, and they don't get any accountability, they don't get any responsibility, they get no blame in the popular media because of it. And look, canine squads, etc., have some really, really problematic beginnings in this country. They were developed to literally track down fugitive slaves. That's where that concept of using dogs in this sense came from into mm-hmm. law enforcement. So, it, it is not an unproblematic history, and I just, I, I think they should end the process. If you're good law enforcement, I get it. It's a dangerous job, but it is something that you have to figure out without putting animals at risk, especially if you're going to then, I'm going to say the word, exploit the the injuries to those animals in ways that are, in, in, in a lot of sense, not good, not right. What are your thoughts, April? You know, one of the things to answer your question, David, actually, about what's sort of missing as to this conversation mm-hmm. is that they, you know, Metro, by their own police report or police re- release, says that they used other non-lethal weapon like methods to get the guy afterward. But they like mm-hmm. don't explain that. Like, why didn't they use that first before sending a dog out mm-hmm. <laughs> is a question. Like, I think that there is something sort of like sexy and exciting about thinking about a dog. And so it's like easy to just go there and sort of publicize that. But they we don't know necessarily what other methods they used and why they didn't use that 
first, you know, to keep the dog out of harm, but also because a, a dog can do a lot of damage to a human, you know? And like the suspect in this case, it says he went to the hospital. Uh, so, but he's like, he says for injuries, but we don't know what kind of injuries that dog imparted on this person and how that might compare to some other form of non-lethal um, you know, distance thing where it keeps the cops safe. You know, I think that those are questions worth asking, uh, but we rarely see that in media for a variety of reasons, I think. But, you know, mm. th- those are things worth asking. Like, is this the method that it's clearly effective or it seems like it is effective, but is it the only thing we could be doing? What other methods are there? And um, we, we should question those and we should ask about those because maybe it would have been better to to save all of us from using something else, you know? Mm. Do y'all think there are situations when using dogs in law enforcement makes sense? Like bomb sniffing dogs, for example? I I could see the utility. I mean, you know, the olfactory sense of a dog is is heightened. Everyone knows that. That's, I think, pretty scientifically proven. And if you are literally just having dogs walking around like airports and things like that, looking for hidden bombs or things like that, makes sense, I guess, if there's no better way to do it. I think drug sniffing dogs are a lot more problematic. Mm -hmm. I think the way that they're utilized in contravention in a lot of ways are pushing the limits of the Fourth Amendment right of protection uh, against unreasonable searches is a problem. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of statistics out there on the false positive alerts of dogs uh, who are either led too slowly or who are getting suggestions mm-hmm. from their handlers who are police officers. I think it's very problematic using animals to do human work, especially when you're you're dealing with constitutional rights. So uh, I'm going to stay pretty consistent on that, that they really need to sort of think about abolishing the use of animals uh, for anything but the most broad protective things. Like you said, folk, bomb sniffing makes a little bit more sense to me. Mm. Using it to search people or search cars, problem. Okay, so I have a weird personal story related to uh, dog usage, whatever. So um, when I was pregnant, uh, I was talking to my midwife and she was like, what do you plan on doing with, with your placenta after birth? And I was like, I, you can have it. I have no. <laughs> you can have it. That's your DNA. <laughs> I don't really care, right? Like it was. All right, just... you got me hooked in the story, April. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know what 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 are my options? What do you do with this? And she said, Well, I have a contact at FEMA who takes placentas and uses them to train dogs to be search and rescue dogs after like buildings collapse and like. Uh, you know, Ooh. natural disasters. So they sniff and they learn human sense. And then um, they're, they're deployed after that to um, that try and find people. Like, Life-saving dogs? Life-saving okay, I'm, dogs. I'm all for that. St. Bernard, bring me my rum. Yes. So, or brandy. Connect, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, uh, absolutely, go give my placenta to FEMA. So they uh, do that. And my understanding was that they use that for uh, training dogs to find Hopefully. people. I know. I you know. Do you, you trust the government, April. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to believe that from so my own So are they going to be able to find like you and your baby as a result of you the smell know. of your inside? I'm oh not sure how the training how of that? said dogs works Why or whatever. Why they just use a shirt? <laughs> with your smell on it, I don't yes, understand. It's, April. it's the most. I don't know either. I'm gonna Google. I it I think after it's how this. they train them to to tr- trigger to certain 
certain types of, of scents that they might not otherwise encounter yeah. in, in nature while they're doing their training stuff. Look, no. It's like an organ, are, you know what I mean? That's like internal smells. I don't know. I don't, I don't and, know. And I get, I get <laughs> utilizing animals in, in commerce, you know? I mean, oxen pulling the plow, making this country great, right? But it, it, it is complicated <laughs> and problematic when you're talking about impacting potentially negatively human rights. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, in a court of law, a doggy cannot testify, <laughs> okay? So you you don't really get the fair shake there, uh, if you want to call that a pun. Wow. Um, it, yeah, y'all. Dogs used to be wolves. They're pack animals. They have no business really hanging out with us anyways. Like, we've destroyed their way of life. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, like, very far along the lines about animals. We have a dog because my husband grew up with animals and he needs a puppy for emotional support. Like doggies make him happy and it's like part of his growing up but because I grew up pretty much on a farm like our dogs had an acre and a half to just run around on at all times and so I'm just like no they're wild animals and they should hang out with a couple more animals and live their animal life I feel like when we talk about bomb sniffing even that's still saying that the animal is expendable you know so Mm. it's making Mm. the dogs the first line of defense for violent crimes and also literally for smelling bombs. And okay, if the dog finds the bomb and it's whatever whatever time it is, uh, it's not a good look. So I'm, I'm not really here for it. It's a dog and the dog is not a cop. And also I think that a lot of times we do see that people have a lot more empathy for animals than they have for people, especially people of color, black folks in particular. And so when you see some of that um, unfolding and those conversations unfolding where someone is more quick to care about an animal than another human being. I'm concerned about us <laughs> as a species. I'm concerned. And so I think I want this doggy to recover. It sucks that the dog was in this this scenario um, and that that person shouldn't have stabbed the dog, period. And I'd like, yeah, I think we should look at why do we still have uh, a canine force and how much of their job, and we're going to put it in quotes because they don't get paid, <laughs> is necessary and required versus all the different types of technology that we have. Do you really need a doggy to come in and find these things and and what can be decreased? I mean, they probably get paid in Scooby Snacks, but <laughs> is that is that fair compensation? Do I'm they pretty, need a union? I'm very sure Scooby Snacks were not healthy. Let's talk about sad, other sad things. But not as sad. Uh, Bittersweet. So we are we're coming to the close of summer, according to Clark County School District anyways. Um, And so Clark County School District, the students are going back to school on August 7th. Um, What? Yes. Basically tomorrow. (laughs) And CCSD said the reason they shifted the school the school start date forward is so that students finish the semester before going on winter break. Um, but their winter break is like two weeks. It's it's y'all can't see my little one inch <laughs> measurement, but it's two weeks. So it'd be different if they were getting from from Turkey Day season all the way through to January off. But they're not. Um, I, I feel like the babies don't have enough breaks. And also when I think about that, the teachers as well, because a shorter break for the students is an even shorter break for the teachers. Uh, and it sucks. I think August 7th is too early for school to start here in the desert. But what do y'all think? I honestly don't mind it. I think that I like I, I accepted the rationale that they finish before Boo, winter break April. because <laughs> you just want to get rid of your kids. I just, Come on. Anna. It's the same number. Of, 
It's the same number of days as the previous. It's still a 180 day school year. It just we end earlier. Like a lot of kids, like people usually end school much later than we do or whatever. And like everyone's like, oh, it's really hot in August. I was like, it's also kind of like really hot at the end of May a lot of the time, too. So it's like you're just trading off hot times. I don't know. And September and October. It's, it's <laughs> true. On. I mean, uh, it gets a little we better. Know where we live. It gets a little better. But I mean, it, it sucks either way, I guess. But I, I don't mind it personally. But. Uh, you know, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, CCSD might declare this the end of summer, but the sun might have uh, a separate opinion. You know, all I can say is that as as much hemming and hawing as we do about when the start of the school year is, just thank the Lord that we don't have year round school anymore like we did when I was a kid. Like when we were when we did not have enough buildings and the huge boom in the like 90s and 2000s or whatever, like they had too many kids and they couldn't fit this. So we went to year round school. So everybody was on different schedules and you had three weeks here and two weeks here and everybody, I think, universally hated it. So, you know what? I remember that and I will not complain about starting at the beginning of August because just don't. Don't do that. Just give me at least a summer, though. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty hard to find activities in the dead of August for the the kiddos to keep their you know minds and bodies occupied because it it, it is too hot out. That's what I'm saying. It's like it, it's hot to even transport or to walk to places or to do anything outdoors. It's just treacherous. So you know, being inside air conditioned buildings, learning, uh, reading, riding, arithmetic, arithmetic. It's all good. I'm done with you, sir. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what are you, I mean, April, we'll start with you since you've got kiddos. What are your last week of summer plans with the kiddos and with the family? It's like, for me, it's already over. Like I am in, I have, I have one week to get my kids back on track with sleeping and waking up and remembering how to eat breakfast in like longer than an hour and remembering how to do I gotta find all the uniforms they have to wear and make sure they're in the same spot so I know how to do laundry Mm -hmm. I gotta go buy the shopping list because we can't give our teachers school supplies through the school district we have to force it from parents or whatever Mm. like which is not a complaint we have to do that because the state doesn't do it (laughs) Uh, it's not our teacher's fault is my say but like I I have have to prepare I have to prepare (laughs) like I, that my sister's very much in the same boat. It's the, it's the school list. It's clothes, shoes. We got to hit up Coles and pray on the discounts and, um, yeah, get them back into that that rhythm of this is what time you go to bed and they still pretty much follow their bedtime sorta. Uh, this is your bedtime. This is your wake up time. And yes, eat your breakfast in less than an hour. <laughs> So it'll be an interesting process for sure. I think for us, there's um, there's a couple of like gatherings around town. But the one I was, um, well, one, I'm like, if for people who are teachers, there's a teacher book sale on, on this Saturday, uh, July 29th at the East Las Vegas Library. So teachers can get AR, um, Accelerated Reading Approved Children's Books for 25 cents each. So if you're that teacher, as many of us are, <laughs> if you're that teacher who's like, books for the babies, uh, they're a quarter at the East Las Vegas Library, which happens to also be my favorite library so uh, i'm going to find a teacher friend and then we're i'm gonna go book shopping with them and that's one of my favoriteest things and then there's a couple like pool parties and giveaways as well so um hopefully we'll be able to put those in the show notes about just all the different places um there's one whole huge website that is literally called vegasfamilyevents.com and then you click on back to school las vegas and it'll give you kind of a layout of all the fun things happening as we prepare david what are you doing this last week of summer I am 
uh, fortunate enough to have the ability to get the hell out of Las Vegas for a little bit, which is always my super tip for living in Las Vegas and loving Las Vegas is doing what you can to get to a cooler climate for at least some of that summer because it allows you to appreciate the rest of the year a lot more. So going to kind of head across country a little bit, do a little road trip, bring the doggo and, uh, you know, try to have a little nice cooler time. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. (laughs) I will. The dog loves it too. I think he can't testify. (laughs) What about you, Vogue? Uh, no, I was like, well, those are all my main things. Other than that, what am I going to do next week? I mean, I'm just, I'm going to do the girl's hair. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm resident braider. So I will be braiding up the girl's hair and preparation. You know, they have to look nice for school. So doing their hair. That first day makes all the difference. Yeah. So I want to just soak in all their like good, wonderful child energy. So it'll be, it'll be a good, it'll be a good week. I'm going to, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them. (laughs) Hey y'all, before we wrap, um, Vogue, I know that you have some important news that you'd like to share with our listeners, so I'm going to turn it over to you to do that. Oh, oh, that's sad. <laughs> I was like, sorry, downer, I could Debbie t- downer, say that maybe. more upbeat. Vogue, you got some great news for the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Um, I mean, I'm not leaving town. I'll still be here in Las Vegas, but I will no longer be the co-host of CityCast Las Vegas. Uh, so my official final date for hanging with the team in this capacity is September 1st. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm super grateful to have been able to be on the show and meet so many awesome people and learn so much amazing stuff. So yeah, I'm rooting for y'all. I'll keep listening and uh, I'll probably pop back by. Vogue, you're one of a kind. Oh, you are too. Well, you know, Vogue, it, it, I'm grateful that you've been here doing co-hosting duties. And I wish you nothing but success, as I know you will achieve in all your creative endeavors. And you're such an important contributing member of this community. And I have no doubt that that's going to continue. So look forward to what you're doing next, too. Yeah. Thanks, David. If you love the show and if you think that you want to work with this phenomenal team because you get you get Layla Muhammad, Sonia Cho Swanson, David Figler, and Scott Dickensheets, which is probably the most phenomenal team in town, uh, and you want to co-host CityCast Las Vegas, then apply. You can do that. Um, hit up the job listing. It's at citycast.fm forward slash jobs. Uh, and if you have questions about the role, I'm sure I'm, I'm open to answering questions. And David, I don't know what David wants to do with his life, but if you ask him questions, maybe he'll answer. <laughs> But apply, apply, because it's a good time. (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, April and David, thank you for a lovely conversation this morning. I'm sure we'll have at least one more before I go. Yes, I better. I'm counting on that. Bring me back, because I love you, Vogue. (laughs) It's been a pleasure, Vogue. And great to see you too, April. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our producers this week are Sonia Cho Swanson, Layla Muhammad, and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and me, Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose, Epidemic Sound, and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the new movie, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to the morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care.
I also need to remind my children that there are some words we say at home, but we don't <laughs> say at school. <laughs> uh, I'll look forward to that list, April. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm sorry. So it happens. I, uh, my bad. My bad. The girls are sorry, teachers. Into, the girls are into Jesus right now. They're like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, it can't be. But then I say it. So I'm like, ooh, that's me. That's my yeah. bad. All right, y'all. 